0: This is Judy Carter, and this is the Power of Purpose podcast, where we explore how to live a purposeful life and how creative people like yourself can make a living doing what you love. Alan Swidell is in the house. He's <laughs> uh, he's truly made a living from, beat the odds, making a living for how long have you been making a living? Well, Saturday, Since you were very young.
1: Saturday, Saturday Night Live started in 1975, which is now 44 years ago, and I was... Making well, I wasn't making a living before it, but I was in the world of comedy, writing jokes for stand-up comedians for seven dollars a joke. But seven dollars a that joke. That was the going rate.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay.
1: That was the going rate. So, so forty-five plus two for forty-seven <laughs> years.
0: Who was? Was there someone that you were selling jokes to that became really successful?
1: Well, yes and no. I mean, I was writing for Borscht Belt guys who had never become successful, because it just yeah. it, the, the era and time had passed them by. But ultimately, I wrote for Rodney Dangerfield and um, you know who was already successful at, at that point. But then I wrote for Freddie Prinz before he became successful. I wrote for uh, then. For, well, it's interesting. All the people I wrote for on Saturday Night Live those first five years weren't stars yet.
0: So did you like search out people like were you hanging at the clubs cuz I have to mention we we started this podcast before and mentioned all your uh, he's an amazing man okay he's won how many primetime time emmys?
1: Uh 13 now. So since since we uh, Okay. No <laughs> five.
0: What? 5? Not
1: 5 and I'm, I'm proud of the um Thurba <laughs> Prize which I got for uh a novel that I wrote, which is like the highest award you can get in it if you write a and, comic novel. And
0: producer and writer of the funniest show ever on television, the Gary Shandling. Well, it's show. Gary
1: Shandling show was a. Gary was, I guess, Gary was successful when we started our show, but not as successful as he became. Yeah, you know, he was um, really funny, real special, and for me, having partnered up with Gilda and the other people on SNL, you know, with the five years I was there. Meeting and working with Gary, for me, was like lightning strike in a second time.
0: Oh, before we get back to who you wrote for, I'm keeping track. I th- we probably both have ADD, right? Do you? Oh, Not so I'm much. I'm sorry, what's her name what? again? <laughs> Yeah, of
1: course. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm, ca- I'm
0: keeping track, but I do want you to tell the story, which I think is one of the most hilarious stories, of uh, the elevator story and how you wrote the Gary Shandling theme song.
1: Well, Gary and I met, and we we were creating this show and first we came out of a meeting where we were trying to figure out the name of the show. And I said, Gary, (laughs) our manager, Bernie Brillstein said, how about the Gary Shandling show? And we went, what's so great about that? I mean, every show is the star's name show. And then I said, how about Gary Shandling's show? And then Gary said, how about it's Gary Schaling's show? And we said, great. We now go, we leave the office, and we're going down (laughs) an elevator. And Gary, while we're waiting for the elevator, Gary goes, you know, we're going to need a theme song. So uh, I said, like, yeah, you have any thoughts? And he said, well, why don't we do a theme song about a theme song? And he said, like, this is the theme to Gary's show. This is the theme to Gary's show. Gary called me up and asked if I can write a theme, you know, if I would write a theme song. And then I said, oh, I'm almost halfway finished. How do you like it so far? How do you like the theme to Gary's show? Then he said, this is the theme to Gary's show, the opening theme to Gary's show. And then I said, this is the music that you hear when you watch the credits. And he said, I'm almost to the part where I start to whistle. <laughs> and then I said, and then we'll watch it's Gary Shandling's show. And we both started whistling. And when we stopped whistling, <laughs> I I think he said this was the theme to Gary Shandling's show, at which point we reached the lobby. And now we had a title and a theme song. And so we said, it's been a full day. It was like 11 in the morning. So we went to a Laker game in the afternoon.
0: Yep. Oh, there's the clock chiming. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> there's the clock chiming. Mm. And it's, I feel like <laughs> I want to write a song about everything oh my god so you heard that here people that is like comedy legend and now let's go back to what we were talking about where you were writing for so you're going to the comedy clubs in new york right
1: well what was happening i i wasn't the reason i went to the comedy clubs in new york was i was writing jokes for those guys in the catskills i was 22 years old they were 44 and 50 the sensibilities were different. I, it was like writing for my parents' friends, <laughs> so I took the jokes they wouldn't buy from me, because they thought it was too hip for their audience. Like in 1974, I would write Watergate jokes, and I would I had I actually had a comedian say, "No one's ever heard of Watergate." Watergate. <laughs> Turn your television, for God's sake. So um, I would take the jokes they wouldn't buy from me, and then I went to the comedy clubs. There were two in New York, Catch a Rising Star and The Improvisation, and the plan was to go on stage and tell those jokes with the hope that a manager or an agent or somebody would like it and want to represent me. So I didn't hang out at the clubs as a writer. I did it, uh, yeah, as, not as a, yeah, I did, I I was performing, I guess, but I was telling the jokes that I hadn't sold. (laughs) So you were a garage sale. It, person it, it, it was a garage sale. Yeah. Demos, garage it, it was sale. a garage, yeah. It, yeah, it, okay. You <laughs> outed me. Indeed. Okay. <laughs>
0: well, then then you started writing jokes for people who started becoming famous. So did you get to um, whisk you out? Was that how you got on SNL?
1: How I got on SNL was very simple. I um, I was performing at the clubs, right? and i drove in with billy crystal every night he was just starting out also and he lived three towns from my parents on long island and he was married with a kid and we became quick friends and he picked me up every night we drove into catch a rising star we each told our jokes and then on the way home we would listen to cassettes and and, uh, critique each other and so one night it's about one in the morning and i'm having the hardest time making these six drunks from Chautauqua, where I will laugh, and um, I get off the stage, and I I go to a bar, and the bar I Catch a Rising Star, and um, I was really depressed. Now I'm waiting for Billy to get done so he can drive me home, and a guy comes in, sits next to me, and he looks at me, he goes, you know, you're the worst comedian I've ever seen in my life, and I go, thank you, I really need to hear this now. It's really helping me. (laughs) This is good, good for me," he says. "But your material isn't bad. Did you write it?" And I said, "Yes." And he said, "Can I see more of it?" It ends up this is Lorne Michaels.
0: I I was hoping that you were hoping that me. this is where
1: this was going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so, a couple of days later, I brought in a booklet. Not a booklet. It's actually a, a big binder, to which we still have at the house, of about 1,100 jokes that I had written, and I went. And I had a meeting with him, and um, he opened the binder. Uh, he read the first joke, and he went, oh, "Very good, very good." And he closed the binder, and I got I got a job. Okay, he, he eventually read all. Oh the, my God, the, that the,
0: my, you must I could can't even imagine. Well, yeah, right. Well, here's but the, did you know what a big deal it was going to be? No, at that there's time?
1: no. I'll tell you how little any of us knew. The same week that I got the job on Saturday Night Live, as fate would have it, I got a—I was offered a job to write the questions and bluff answers for Paul Lind on the Hollywood Squares. Okay? A lot of the, the Catskill guys that I wrote for, they were the opening act for somebody n- named Todi Fields. She had a manager. He managed Todi Fields. He managed a singer named John Davidson, and he managed oh, another personality named Burt Convy.
0: Yep.
1: They were always on the Hollywood Squares, so he had an in with those producers. He said, they're looking for a writer for Paul Lind, and I auditioned. I sent in 12 questions for Paul Lind and with bluff answers for him to say, okay? And as fate would have it, the same week, it was within days, that I got the the phone call that Lauren said, you know, you have a job. This The, the manager of the other thing called me and said, um, hey, the Hollywood Squares want you. Oh, geez. And, and now it seems ridiculous, but at the time, I'm thinking, this was the thought, Hollywood Squares going into its ninth season, West Coast, where the whole industry is, prime time, higher pay scale, and in the boxes are all these celebrities who had Las Vegas acts, they all had their own variety show. Mm-hmm. Wow, this, Gold would, this would be an entree into the business, whereas the Saturday Night Live thing, 11.30 to one on Saturday night, and East Coast late night, pay scales much lower. Who's John Belushi, who, who, who are these? For the, <laughs> and you know, I gave it thought for a full second and a half, and I said, of course I'm gonna do the Saturday Night Live thing. But there was no way of knowing yeah how how would you know that 45 years later we're still here talking about it you know
0: yeah it it is amazing i think the message from all this because so many people are going like well how do i get a job how do i get a job you just work right i if you're a comedy writer even if you're and especially if you're a performer you just have to do do the work now did you what kind of i mean it's amazing you were you're with billy crystal so you had a Okay, comedy buddy, right?
1: Well, I but had a couple of them. You know, yeah? Larry David became my good friend that same first week. You know, but we were all struggling.
0: Yeah, and but how was your like eleven 1, hundred jokes? Right. I just want to hear about your work ethic, and nope. and is it still with you? I think it is because every time the, I pass uh, you here, I'm writing. Uh, Don't talk to me. I'm writing. Well, in answer
1: to the <laughs> second question first, it is still with me. Poor Rob and my wife. You know, no matter where we are, whether it's home or uh, on vacation, I wake up at 5.30 every morning and I start my work day.
0: Really? Yeah.
1: 5.30. Literally. literally. It, it, I don't even set the alarm. It's just the body clock is like that. So when we're at home, I get up and I go into my study and I start working. Um, and does
0: anything distract you? Like, oh, I'm in front of my computer and there's Amazon. I need to buy something. Oh, oh, and there's email. Yeah, Scrabble. called and what's Sc- on Facebook? Scrabble.
1: Scrabble, I play Scrabble with a couple of people, okay? I play Scrabble with three people. Uh-huh. Okay, she thinks there's scores of them. No, <laughs> they're, no. they're not Legion, there's three people. I can name you who they are, but I think that would... Not help your podcast whatsoever. Okay,
0: but uh, no. My point is, okay. Do you look at your work directly in the eye? You're waking up at five thirty and you sit down. Yeah. And you're writing, or do you futz around and then come back? To no, and I usually then futz plunge right futz.
1: in. No, you got to plunge right in because if you start for me, if I start the day futzing around, then I'm setting a pattern for myself. So I stick my big toe in the water, and see how long that first burst is going to go. And then if I want to take a break or if I need to think of something, I'll go to diversion. I usually keep Law and Order or CNN on the on the TV just for white noise in the background, mostly Law and Order because I can I've known them all by memory. Now, so I don't, I don't have to be going engrossed in it. So it's not a distraction. It's just an old friend, okay? To begin with, to
0: take away like the emptiness, the silence, right? The yeah. White, no. It's otherwise, it's too lo- lonely. Just five thirty in the morning, all by yourself, just sitting there. Even if it's you, three in the you.
1: afternoon, it's just in a room being funny by yourself. You need some coming from TV. You're used to a lot of people around you. It's uh, the, the synergy of the group. You know. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Yeah. The concerted effort is um, social. Okay, so when you're doing this by yourself, um, you got to work, for me anyway, a little harder. Now, there are there are novelists that I know that and and, and Pulitzer Prize winning novelists uh, and, and humor writers who the concept of writing with another person is so foreign to them. Um, you know, they're programmed to spend their days alone. And then back in the old days in New York, that's why, you know, Buck Henry used to tell me, Uh. Buck Henry who wrote The Graduate, used to tell me, and he's my mentor very much so, uh, that back in the old days in New York, you'd get guys like Buck and guys like Joseph Heller who wrote Catch-22, Philip Roth, Patty Chayefsky, all these, you know, these guys, time capsule kind of writers, that they would go out every night together because and they would not talk about their writing, but they spent the day the same way. That's how places like Elaine's came about.
0: And I just want to say to you millennials listening, every single person that Alan just mentioned, go watch one of their films because they're all geniuses. 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 You
1: watch Network and see uh, how relevant it is today. And it was written in 1972 or three, okay? So the fact is... Um, so I learned discipline at a very early age. So coming up, I I had a discipline also. So to get and a. And le- you
0: ever break it? Do you ever go like I I just. Need- yeah.
1: Oh God. Yeah. Well, when when you start out, you go, you think that if I leave my study, if I leave my typewriter or my, my legal pad, um, I'm playing hooky. Uh, so I better put in my time. Um, there's two schools of thought okay one is um that go for a walk go to a movie relax your brain and something will hit you take a shower where most people get their best ideas then billy wilder the great director who directed some like it hot the apartment and other things like that his school of thought was um the muses have to know where to find you so stay put (laughs) Okay,
0: <laughs> so <laughs> the muses uh, need to know how to find yeah, you.
1: Yeah, where so you are. Stay put. So stay, stay. where you are. So they. Can
0: find <laughs> They're you. not going to find you. At the frozen yoghurt uh, store. Absolutely. Okay. So all right.
1: Coming up, I developed a discipline. I got eleven hundred jokes because every day I would make believe I was writing for another comedian about the same subject. So let's say uh, on Monday I'd say, okay, this week the subject is uh, buying a car. On Monday, I would write a monologue as if Rodney Dangerfield was delivering it. And on Tuesday, as if Joan Rivers was with This
0: is genius. I'll tell you why it's so genius. Especially, it's like it's like the Meisner method of writing. You know what Meisner method is? Is act course, as if, Meisner. right? Uh-huh. Act as if and be it. So you're not just going like, I hope these sell and who wants it? You're just going... I am writing for Rodney Dangerfield. I am Rodney here Dangerfield, his, yeah. Hear his monologue. I am... So you, you almost like take on the character of the... The character. Now, do you, when you write comedy, do you say it out loud?
1: Sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes it's just instinct, but it, um, there are times where... It depends on the form also. If it's dialogue, sometimes I'll say it out loud. But sometimes the ear just knows that this will react... This person would react to that sentence this way, this is what the reaction will be.
0: It's such great advice. Have you ever taken acting classes?
1: No, I've never taken acting classes, but I think that um, the times that I've been on stage, which were disastrous, but now I do talk shows and I, 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 I do my own speeches around the country. I think that that's given me more of a feeling, for anyone who is acting and what would come out of their mouths, you know. Um, but I do think that writers should take improv classes. I honestly do. Um, I think that. Um, I also think that uh, directors should write a novel. I, I I've often thought of this, because when you write a novel, let's say, you may. Need a whole page to describe how somebody looks walking across the street that's distinctive. What they're wearing, what their steps are like, mm-hmm. okay, what's their gait like, and you're creating a character. Whereas a director, just puts it in the parentheses, <laughs> you know. Right. You know, Jimmy walks across the street. You, now, you know? are you
0: directing? I know, I want to get to what you're doing now, because you sure. have so much going. You have a book coming out. I have two books coming out, And you out, have a yeah. movie. Yeah. Now, let's first talk about the movie, because as we sat down here, you were all pissed off, right, about, about uh, a politically incorrect joke.
1: Well, y- 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 and uh, this whole politically incorrect joke, Movement. What I mean, was
0: it? Can you say the joke or not?
1: The, the, it, it wouldn't be a joke. It's, it's yeah, a okay. piece, and I don't want to embarrass anybody. its it, if, if we do this again, I'll do it once I see how this is resolved. Fair okay. enough. Um, but uh, I ran into, I'm writing a movie with Barry Levinson, and we were sitting in a restaurant. Now it must be six months ago. Wait,
0: didn't he do Body Heat? Did he do Body no. Heat? No. That was I Larry thinking? Kasdan. Okay. Um, He did. For
1: you you people, uh, go to your computers, put in Barry Levinson. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. (laughs) IMDb. Okay. Diner. How about The Natural? How about Rain Man? Okay. What did you say? How about Avalon?
0: He's so incredible that the church bells actually ring every time you say his name. And that's a
1: Jewish name, Levinson. (laughs) But yet... Church bells yeah. started ringing. Yeah, that's amazing. how universal that is. So we we were working uh, on some. We were working on our script, and we were in a, a restaurant downtown in this hotel, when Chris Rock came over and spoke with us, and we asked him. Barry asked him, "How's it out there? Meaning in colleges, and given that Chris does what he does, and um, it's looking in Seinfeld. Also, I understand it's like people are." Hesitant to go to certain places like colleges uh, where the audiences are so overly, overly politically correct that you can't talk about anything. I've not just
0: politics. No,
1: it's not just culturally
0: correct. Like uh, gender correct terms, gender correct terms, sexuality correct,
1: um, ethnicity. When we were growing up. We made fun of everyone. There was Jewish jokes, there was Italian jokes, there were Polish jokes, and then everybody told jokes about each other, everyone laughed, and then we went out to dinner together. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now it's like, whoa, whoa. We have a, um, Robert and I have a 10-year-old grandson named Zachary. This happened maybe three, four years ago when he was either six or seven. So he's even like in first or, se- or second grade. A kid in his class got in trouble because he said, you gypped me out of a quarter.
0: You gypped me out of a quarter? Gip, uh, gyp, gyp, gypsy.
1: Yeah, you oh, go. I didn't even get it. I didn't even know it then either. Gypsy. So you're pissing off gypsies? <laughs> Give me gyp- a break.
0: I got that in North Dakota on the plane where... Some, I said, I was asking, how's the weather? And they were telling me how cold it was. I said, geez, that's cold. And someone leaned over, we do not use that kind of language here. Ooh, the
1: geez, right?
0: I didn't realize, Jesus. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, no, like that part I got. I understand that you you gave me a nickname. I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it's like you can't say anything. And um, that's it's got to stop. And I don't know what's supposed to happen. I honestly don't. But this—we've all bent over so far backwards, and it's the death of comedy. It's uh, the, my friend Gilda Radner, when she was alive. She, I remember she. Came By the up, way, I just
0: want to say that yeah? um, that you produced a film that I saw that was incredible with your wife Robin. Blankin. Robin is yeah, right, right here. Um, and and called Love Gilda. It's it, it, it so beautiful. Thank I'm there you. crying, and um, so I just want everybody to know that. And it's up for
1: it's up for an Emmy Award. Yeah, yes. we're gonna okay. go out. We're gonna we're gonna take an airplane. Yeah, well, yeah that's right. <laughs> it's fantastic. That's right. Yeah, we're gonna uh, we're gonna fly standby. Freddie Lake is still good. In any event, we I remember when Gilda a long time ago we were having a, a little bit of heart to heart. And um, she had said that if she came back after she passed, she'd like to be uh, a ballerina. And I said, why? And she said, well, comedy is about what's wrong in the world. It, it's something We laugh at something that's too tall, too short, too fat, too thin, too this, too that, okay? Where ballet, a dancer is at peace. They have control of their body. And there's something where they're in concert with the world around them, which is beautiful to watch, but not funny. Okay, do, you, do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we, right now, things there's a lot to make fun of.
0: You have to. I mean, if you have the DNA of a comic, you can you actually see all that shit out there that, that you, you you have to comment. You, you just don't... You're not passive.
1: Well, that's absolutely right. That, that's it. the weapon have we have. You have to.
0: You have to. So, so many comics now are, are having a hard time yet. Now, with the internet, when they book Chris Rock, they know what they're getting. When they book Bill Maher, college knows what they're getting. So are you talking about just comics on the road going out there? I'm talking there?
1: about everybody. I'm talking about... If you're going to if you're going to book Bill Maher, if you're going to book Chris Rock, why are you surprised?
0: <laughs> they are. That's what I'm asking. They,
1: they, they, I I don't understand really? it. Yeah. What, what wait a second. You knew what you were buying. Wow. I love it. You love it. You don't love it, don't buy them. I don't get it.
0: <sighs> yeah, it's 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 crazy times. It's almost like before you do a show, you have to have a survey of your audience or something. Like when you, when you do a red state, you can't do blue. Ge- I mean, it's so much about geography and the, and the people who are in front of you that determines.
1: I, I, I made a mistake. see, for my last book, we were on book tour. And this is my own stupidity, okay? There were like five or six cities in Florida, in southern Florida, went from one to the other. And before we came back up, uh, went to Naples. And idiot me, I thought, okay, southern Florida, southern Florida, you know. It's not. It's not. <laughs> it's not because um, Naples is on the west coast, like on the Gulf. And... I, I don't get political at all, but there was a point, I guess it was during a QA, and a something I just made some off-the-cuff comment about Fox News. I got hissed. And because Naples on the west coast, see the east coast of Florida, people from New York come straight down like this, on the west coast. It's people from those middle states, okay, the, 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 the ones, the angry people. <laughs> they came down <laughs> oh that Oh, my way. God. Yeah, I, I, it, go, these are I got a hiss for saying something on Fox News. But
0: with your film with Barry, what is it? What is, let's go back to that. What is the film you're doing with him?
1: I'm not doing a film yet. We're just writing a script. Oh, you're, you're writing not. the script with I'm writing with a script with, Billy, okay, with, so, uh, with Barry. So you're writing. I only these... work with people whose first name begins with B. B. And ends with a Y, yeah.
0: Oh, shoot. I guess we'll never uh, be writing a script. Damn it! I could change my name. <laughs> all right. So, but you have and your book. So I want to get to that. Your book. It's coming out because I saw you and you said I I turned it in.
1: Okay. I got two books coming out. First of all, the movie with Billy starts shooting October second. Okay. Okay.
0: And what is that?
1: It's called Here Today, and it's um, it will star him and Tiffany Haddish. And, oh my God! Uh, she
0: uh, is so hot now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And we're casting as we speak. So by the time people hear this, they will probably know more than what I'm saying right now. Right, but but it will be in color.
0: Because I, I we're I'm, we're going to replay. <laughs> It'll be in color. Be
1: in living color, I Bam. Please.
0: So we're going to replay this when your book comes out. We're going to put it out now, and then and then I want to. I leave it to you. Do it because the name of the book
1: is. Okay, so the ne- the first book that's coming out, it's coming out September 24th. I co-wrote with Dave Barry, who. If Those of you who don't know, it's a Pulitzer Prize winning humorist and a guy named Adam Mansbach. Adam Mansbach, if you don't know his name, wrote a children's book about four or five years ago that sold a gazillion copies. The name of the book was Go to Sleep. Okay.
0: Oh, millions of copies. Millions
1: and millions of copies that parents of young kids. Who are really tired, and go to which to is sleep interesting
0: already. after our conversation about what you can't say in the censorship, yeah. And yet, the best selling book for children is Go well, to Well, it's not for children, sleep. actually,
1: it's for the parents, parents of very of young children because that's how they feel, you know. Yeah, and if you want to laugh your ass off, Google it and go on the audio version because yeah. there's Samuel L. Lays. Jackson reading it and basically just reading the book with such a threatening voice, like <laughs> Go to, to sleep. Um, so the three of us. Uh, Wrote A couple of years ago we wrote a parody of the Passover Haggadah that was called For This We Left Egypt and that did very, very well that we got another contract, so so September 24th, another book, uh, it's called A Field Guide to the Jewish People who they are, where to find them, what to feed them. Well, you know, this what? would
0: not work in Naples, would it? Is this, is this well, not you know
1: something? To... It was the Haggadah that we went down to Naples for. Oh, yeah. it was. Yeah, oh no my no, goodness. All yeah, right. this is um no, as I a know? matter of fact they just started the pre orders on Amazon and it's already got some really good ranking already. So uh you know
0: Oh it's gotta be better than the Haggadah that comes with the bottle of Manischewitz, right?
1: Oh the the, the, right, the blue so one. Yeah the blue one.
0: I have to tell you, you're doing so Many things. So we have to slow down here because I know my listeners all have ADD or they smoke a lot of pot. So I want to get straight all the names of everything. Okay. okay.
1: The movie with Billy and Tiffany Haddish is called Here Today.
0: Okay. Here Today, everybody. And it's written by... by me and Billy. You and Billy. Okay. Billy Crystal. Robin just said, Crystal. <laughs> no, that's great. And then the <laughs> book coming out...
1: It's called The Field Guide to the Jewish People. And then and is there's a long Dave subtitle. Dave Barry
0: is a co-author on this Yeah, one. he's a co-author,
1: and Adam Mansback yes.
0: Oh, hilarious. And I understood you wrote it with him like he'd write something and then send it to you. And well, we wrote a would...
1: book together a couple of years ago called Lunatics.
0: Oh, that's a okay. different book. Yeah, that
1: okay. came out already. That was a novel... And we had a, a feud between two neighbors in New Jersey. He, was the, he, he assumed the character of one of them. I did the other. And then we would alternate chapters in okay, an how escalated. can we go
0: wrong with this book? It's written by Alan Svidal and, and Dave Barry. What?
1: We know that. I'm yeah, we're, to that. We're ge-
0: That's a buildup. That's a build- Robin, I wish Robin. I had a third mic. Come sit with me. I, you could you talk. Sit? You want to sit with Just Come sit with me, Robin. We're all here in Chautauqua on a porch, yakking about comedy, and giving some people who are listening some friggin' hope that if they have some talent, and they want to get up at 5.30 and put in the work, it can happen. Now, the memoir coming out, do we have a title?
1: Yes, we do, and that's coming out in April of 2020. That's called Laugh Lines, 40 Years Trying to Make Funny People Funnier. So oh, it starts great. off with me as a, I take you, on like a tour guide through my career, but the Catskills and then SNL and the beginning of uh, Cable with its Gary Shandling show, some of the movies, Broadway for Billy Crystal. And I also talk about the stuff that, you know, that failed. You know, I I, I write about a review that Roger Ebert gave a movie that I wrote that, where he used the word hate 14 times in it. You know, and I... And, and I so it's, it's um,
0: <laughs> and the failures. Well, what do you think that somebody who is starting now in comedy or wants to be a comedy writer is going to read your book right and go like, wow, this is teaching me wh- what? What is it what are they going to get from? Well, it? that's a great think?
1: question because I think and Robin kept on impressing this upon me as I was writing the book. what it is is it's not just a, a, a memoir. Okay, it's not like, oh, and then I wrote. It's not like that at all. I mean, it has that because there's a chronology to it. But at the same time, I think that a young would be comedy writer, what they'll get out of it is what you just said a little while ago. It's, um, Billy, Crystal says you got to keep on rowing, you know? And it's true, especially when you start out, it's lonely. You don't know if you're going to make it. You don't know if you're writing something that anybody's going to want to say or listen to. But you know what's really interesting? Even after you've made it, okay, you don't know if the next thing you're going to write, if people are going to want to hear it.
0: So there's no laurels to rest on.
1: There's no laurels to rest on. You're as good as what... So you just got to keep on doing what you do. And if you believe in yourself, you do it. You put it out there and hope... That the wheel will turn and it will be your time. Now you look at movies that took ten years to make. You look at movies that went through eleven writers on it. You know, Tootsie had like eight writers on it. Did
0: you ever quit?
1: That I ever quit?
0: Did you ever like when you're talking with the hard times and the failure times, and you go, "That's it, I'm going into insurance sales." No,
1: you know something. We never had that talk. I, I never thought that for a second. It's the, it's the same. When you start out, you need a certain amount of moxie. You need a certain amount of defiance. And you need maybe a little bit of arrogance. Because if you, if you statistically look at the odds, well, that's going to be really hard to make it, right? What are the odds? But you go, all right. I remember when John Lovitz told his dad that he wanted to be a comedian. And his dad told him, How hard it's going to be, and he said, "Well, somebody's got to make it. Why not me?" And and that's really good advice. I thought. I thought John was really. You do what you do. You got one life that we know of, and I didn't want to do it working, you know, behind a counter somewhere or behind a computer screen. I
0: almost feel like you have no choice. You know, when when this is what your talent is, this is how you caress yourself. They see your life. You have to do it. And fun fact. When I was twenty I got a job teaching at Harvard School for Boys running their drama department with John Levitt.
1: Wow. <laughs> I was in wow. It. wow.
0: And and well before I go, I just wanna say it's time to go. There's the church. <laughs> we yeah, have yeah. to get to church. Levitson How-
1: and Lovett gets the uh, church bells. <laughs> yes.
0: So Robin, this is Robin Swidell. Is it true he gets up at five? I just want confirmation oh, of yeah. some data.
2: You know, he builds in making me breakfast every morning, too. I have to put that in for Alan. He has learned. He, he's, he's become an expert at making wonderful breakfasts, <laughs> and that's probably just a detour away from his work that he wants to do that for me.
0: And do you, have you... Like, do you have a thing like you can't bug him? Like, you know, he's
2: writing. Uh, yeah, I know. When I hear the TV on and I hear boom, boom, like the, <laughs> you know, law and order theme, I know. It, it used to bother me because I thought maybe he was not working and just watching TV all day. And then I. And that realized. would bother you? Well, like, yeah, because you know, because he's wasting his time, and I and then I realized he really was producing work, and so I I just left him alone. And oh. I, you know, he, he's a good monitor of himself. He he's hard enough on himself than anyone, so yeah. I leave I leave it to him to be. So
0: you don't have to. You you yeah. don't you don't you're not really he's monitoring him.
2: Monitor. No 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 no. no. I no.
1: You, what I will say is for these um, would be comedy writers. Not only do you keep on doing what you do, you knock on every door, remember the people who are nice to you, you'll automatically remember the people who are not nice to you, Uh, pay it forward when you get your break, but it's every cliche in the world, if Lauren Michaels doesn't walk into Catch a Rising Star that night and doesn't hear me, well, maybe I don't become a Saturday Night Live writer. But I would have written for Paul Lind, okay? <laughs> All right? And I would have done it some other... You, you, you know, there's not only one way to get to, to be successful. You, you got, and it's that old cliche about, yeah, you'll get an opportunity. you got to be prepared.
0: So I just want to thank you so much for being so generous with the how you do what you do of writing. You know, because it, I, I watched The Amazing Mrs. Uh, Mayville... Marvel, Mabel, Maisel, Maisel sorry. And, and she's always like, she has a new act every yeah, single yeah, day, yeah. and it kills. We and don't see her
2: writing it. Robin? We, don't see, we don't see her writing it, really.
0: Right. No, and, and so the <laughs> process of writing is sort of kind of a hidden thing. So. It is, because
1: I would say that more people than not, still in this day and age, when they see a TV show or a movie... They think that the, the act is just, you know, making up whatever they want to say. <laughs> They're saying whatever they Same want. Same
0: about stand-up comics that like, oh, we're just up there making it. Yeah, making we have it to make it sound authentic. That's yeah. the hard That's part. That's exactly
1: right. But it's, um, it, it look, for anybody who's starting out today, I can say that your opportunities are greater now than they were when I started because back then not only was there no internet, there was no cable.
0: There was no facts.
1: There, there, there was there no was even f- facts. There, there, there was no files. We,
0: we had to morse code our scripts and oh, ideas
2: no. into people.
1: But, but uh, there was only three networks when I started. Yeah. Yep. ABC, NBC, CBS. It wasn't even Fox.
2: And and fifth look it. There were five copies of carbon. Fifth look it. Fifth look it. I think that's a word. <laughs> I don't know. But <laughs> on Saturday Night Live, right?
0: Yeah. Well, anyway, thank you. Tell me one more time the name of your book and the, and the show coming out.
1: And okay. The movie, coming, the movie out. coming out is We saw shooting God knows when it's coming out It's called Here Today The first book is called The Field Guide to the Jewish People And the memoir that will come out next spring Is Laugh Lines 40 Years Trying to Make fo- Funny People Funnier
0: Yes And that's going to be sensational Everybody This is somebody who <laughs> Judging by the results He's doing it right You might consider 5.30 in the morning Get out of bed If you would like to learn more about turning your purpose into a career, go to themessageofyou.com, where I'll give you free access to my online course. Click the button in the top banner when you get there. If you'd like to learn more about what I'm doing, then go to judycarter.com. Thanks for listening, and let's find your message and launch your career.